We're in Acts chapter number 26. <clears throat> As we have taken time for a, lot, for a lot of weeks, I've come to a place where I'm almost, this, I like every part of the Bible. My favorite part of the Bible is where I am when I'm reading it right then, just about. Sometimes not so much in Leviticus and First Chronicles, but besides that, I, I like it. And I love this section of the book of Acts. And of course, the Acts is the book of action. It's the Acts of the Holy Spirit in the lives of His people. And uh, book of Acts, Jesus goes back to heaven. His Holy Spirit comes down from heaven. His people go out with the Spirit of God and tell other folks about Christ. Occasionally, someone will be a little bit... Uh, uh, challenged by the impetus that we have in getting the gospel out. All we talk about is getting people saved and, and trying to help people get the gospel and giving out tracts and giving mission support and trying to do that. Let me tell you something. That's why the church exists. It's the pillar and ground of truth. The reason we have a church is to protect and to propagate the gospel of Jesus. People don't get saved if the church doesn't do that. And people who, churches that stop getting a heart for world evangelism and a heart for witnessing to others, lose the truth. There are places right now in this region that you couldn't find the truth there. They have lost the truth. They gather in buildings that they pay for and they have pastors that, and teachers and preachers that preach to them. But they're not, they're not there's a social gospel. They're not giving the truth. And one of the ways we can keep the truth is by giving out the truth. You know how you can remember a joke? Tell a joke. Have you ever heard something so funny? Oh, I can't wait. When I go home, I'm going to tell my family. You, got, you couldn't get three, 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 uh, three blocks down the street, and you can't remember what you were going to tell them. It's frustrating. You know how you can do it? You tell a joke about three or four times, and it becomes a part of you. Yeah. You, you start, you, because whoever does the teaching does the learning. If we keep getting the gospel out, it becomes a part of us. We protect it and we propagate it because the church is the pillar and ground. It's God's way for people to learn how to get to heaven from here and how to live after they know they're going to heaven. And I love that about a local church. And the book of Acts is, a, is action-packed with people doing what God wanted them to do. And whether you work in the secular realm or you work like I do in the ministry, uh, all of us have a responsibility to get the gospel out. We live in different houses on purpose. God doesn't necessarily want us to live in all a big commune and just be all together all the time. No, he said, I want you to be in the world. I don't want the world in you, but I want you to be in the world. And he wants us. You work with different people than I work with. The folks that you interact with are people that Brother Eddie would never interact with. And, and certainly they would never want to interact with Brother Eddie. I mean, it's just obvious. No, but there are people where he lives in St. John. I don't know his neighbors, but that's his job. I may witness to his neighbors in some location, but it's his job to be a witness where he is. And those of you who live in Cherville, and those who live in Chicago, and Highland, and, and Gary, and Calumet Township, and Calumet City, and wherever it is that God brings you to this room this morning, or if you're listening online, or on the radio, hey, listen, all of us have personal responsibility. And that is to share the truth, to get the truth out. It was Jesus' last command to go into all the world and preach the gospel. That wasn't just given to pastors. That was given to anyone who's saved. And I hope there's a passion that's stirred inside of you, whether you're a teenager or you're a senior adult. Uh, if you're here and you're not sure you're saved, you're not sure you have eternal life, today you need to get that settled. And if you get that settled today, tomorrow you need to be faithful to tell someone else about what happened. 
I won a man to Christ not too long ago and shared the gospel with him. And as soon as he got done hearing the gospel, he goes, my wife needs to hear this. Because I love my wife. Now I know something she doesn't know. And she needs to know this. It's the first time in his life he ever knew something his wife didn't know. Because I want her to know this. And he told another friend. I got to share that gospel with that friend. He said, I didn't know. He goes, when I went to see my friends, I thought I was going to keep it quiet. I couldn't keep it quiet, Pastor. I had to tell somebody else what happened to me. I told him that you saved me. I said, I didn't save you. Jesus did. Don't forget that. He goes, you got to see Pastor John. He'll, he'll save you. I said, I can't save anybody. I just tell them what the Bible says. And you know, the truth of the matter is, all of us need to know that. Well, the Apostle Paul has been a maximum Christian. He has been preaching the gospel now for many years. 18, boy, about 16 years ago, he left the church of Antioch. He got saved in probably within two years after Jesus went back to heaven. So now for approximately 22, 25 years, he's been preaching the gospel. He's in his early 60s, we believe, and, and he finds himself under house or in, in, in arrested. And he's been there for two years. A man named Felix was the governor who kept him uh, in, in bonds. He should not have been arrested. He should not have stayed arrested. But he wanted to make the, the people that sent him in, the Jewish uh, group, happy. And he left him in bonds. He was in a fairly comfortable environment compared to other jailers and other folks that were prisoners in, in jail. But uh, he was able to have friends come and minister to him. And he had a lot more liberty. He was a Roman citizen. Maybe one of those reasons. And Luke and Aristarchus, looks like they probably ministered to him. Luke stayed. Caesarea is about 65 miles from Jerusalem where he was taken uh, captive initially. And they've taken him over there. He's been there for two years. And now Felix has gone back to the Roman Empire. He's in trouble with, uh, with uh, Augustus Caesar. And he has to go back and answer for some things that he did. And he puts another guy in charge of him named Festus. Festus is the man not on a gun smoke. Don't get him confused with that guy right there. Festus is another fellow that is, he's now, but he has no interest. Now, Felix, for two years, heard the gospel many times. And some of those times he got convicted. Other times he got calloused. We have no, no, no information that he accepted or he did get convicted. He said, oh, man. He was trembling. He was so nervous about where he was going to spend eternity and that he was a sinner and his sin was against God. But he got so nervous, but he said, I'm not ready. Go away and I'll call for you another convenient time. And uh, he, we don't think that he got saved. Festus, on the other hand, Festus is a new guy in town. He's the new ruler. He comes in. He's just in, he's just in his office three days and he goes down and spends 10 days in Jerusalem and gets caught up from the chief priests and the Pharisees and their uh, tribunal there in, in Jerusalem. And they're telling him all the bad things about Paul and how that they need to send him down here. And Felix didn't do a good job. And that's probably why he's in trouble with the, with the, with the, the Roman emperor. You need to send him down here with all plans to kill him and to execute Paul. But Felix went back and he uh, found him and he said, well, you guys come with me and go back to a court and we'll listen to him. And he went back and and uh, whenever it was all done, Festus kind of tried to, uh, to use leverage of his leadership and said, look, maybe I'll just send you back down to Jerusalem and let them try you there. And you can, you can be tried there. And Paul says, no, we're not going to get a fair trial there. I appeal to Caesar. And when he, as a Roman citizen, appealed to Caesar, if you asked for it, it was your right. But he was in trouble. He had a local problem. He had a legal problem. And he had a logical problem. 
Now he had to explain to Caesar why he was taking up his time with really an innocent man. He got a visit from Agrippa. Agrippa is the Jewish king that's there and, and his, uh, his uh, counterpart, Bernice. And they come into town. And when he tells, he comes into town, they come in with a lot of pomp and circumstances. And, uh, and Festus says, I need some help. man. I got a guy in jail that was left over from Felix. And that guy pulled a fast on me. He, he appealed to Caesar when I was kind of pushing on him a little bit. Because I don't know what to tell Caesar. He said, well, I've heard about this Christianity. I've heard about these people of the way, Agrippa says. I'll hear from him myself. And the next day, they had a big gathering of people. Agrippa came. Bernice came as the king and the queen. And, and Festus was there. And then he had, he had some of the, the town council of Caesarea there. And guys who were in charge of five, uh, five men who were in charge of a thousand soldiers each. They were there. And they had a lot of dignitaries crowded into the palace. And then... They bring Paul in. He's in handcuffs, maybe leg cuffs, I don't know. But he's, in, he's bound. And he tells them, he brings them in. He said, all right, I want to hear what you have to say. And of course, we read last week that in Acts chapter 26, Paul says, I'm very happy. I think myself happy is what he said. I'm very happy to be able to share with you my situation. And he did give him a counsel. He gave him really he gave, what his story was, was threefold. It was, uh, let's look back at my countrymen, the Jewish people that know me very well. And I love them and they hate me. But I want them to know. I want you to know. He talked about his countrymen. And then he talked about his conversion. When he came to know Jesus Christ as his Savior on the road to Damascus. And then he told him, about his cause. What has kept him going? Why does he do what he do? Why, why does he do what he does? And now he's telling him that story. We've kind of covered already uh, the first part of his argument. And he said, look, you know, I, was, I, I know exactly what these people said because I was one of them. I hated Jesus. I hated Christ. I hated Christianity. I fought it. I did anything I could do contrary. And then one day I met him face to face in the road to Damascus, and it was no, I had no chance. But to find out who he was and to surrender myself to serve him. And now I have not going to become, I, I got a vision that day. I got a command that day. I got a heavenly vision from the only one that could give it to me, and that was Jesus. And he told me to spend my life telling people wherever I could find them about Jesus Christ. If you'll look, if you would, please, we'll see the heavenly vision in verse 18. Can you look there, if you would, please, of chapter 26? And uh, let's look at it if we can. To open their eyes and to turn them. Here's what Jesus told him to do, to get out there and get the gospel out. Because what does the gospel do? It opens people's eyes. And it turns them from darkness to light. It enlightens them. And from the power of Satan, it helps those who are bound to be free. That they can receive forgiveness of sins. It gives forgiveness of sins and an inheritance. That gives us a fellowship and a fulfillment that comes among them that are sanctified by faith, which is in Jesus. Jesus told him, they said, look, if Paul, if you'll tell people about Jesus and you'll be faithful to give the gospel out, you'll bring freedom to people who are captive. You'll bring light to people who are in darkness. You'll bring forgiveness of sin and everyone needs to be forgiven. The difference between someone who has accepted Jesus Christ and someone who has not yet accepted Jesus Christ is, is forgiveness. They're both sinners, but these have been pardoned. These are going to stand a fair trial. 
They have chosen to set their own payment of sin. He said, if you'll get the gospel out. By the way, if you love anybody in your life, you want them to know forgiveness. You want them to have freedom from their slavery of satanic slavery. You want them to have fulfillment and inheritance. One of the things I love about being a Christian, and the Christian life is not always easy. It's not always a, a walk in the park, if you will. But the Christian life is the best life. It's a life of fulfillment, of inheritance. And it's a life of fellowship with other brothers and sisters in Christ. Having just gone to El Salvador and spent the week there, I met so many people. Over 530 people, 38 people were there on the first night. And all through the week, every night, large people come. And numbers of people would come on the daytime sessions. And we would teach. And I got to meet hundreds more friends that I didn't know before I came there. And, and I couldn't speak their language all that well, and they certainly couldn't speak my language. But they were my brothers and sisters in Christ. And we're in the same, we're in the same yoke. There's a bond there that comes from that. He said, when you get saved, you get a fellowship. And then you get a focus, and that's not the church. That's not a pastor. That's Jesus. The focus needs to remain upon faith in Christ. And then verse number 19 as he continues his speech, he says, Whereupon, O Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. By the way, you got the same heavenly vision given to you. Are you obedient or disobedient? Let's move on because that's convicting, isn't it? Verse number 20. But showed first of them to Damascus and all Jerusalem and throughout all the, the coast of Judea and then to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God and do works meet for repentance. Not only just be saved, but live out their salvation. By what they do. Verse 21. For this cause the Jews caught me in the temple and they went about to kill me. He said, this is the reason I was um, attacked, set apart. They went about to kill me and I was rescued by the, uh, the, the, the police officers there in Jerusalem. This is the reason they came after me. Because I was getting the gospel out to people. And I was teaching them that they could come to Christ and have forgiveness of sins. And they should live out their Christianity after they're saved. And that's what's ticked them off. That's why I'm arrested. That's why I've been here for two years, Mr. Festus and King Agrippa. Look, if you would please, to the next one, verse number 22. Having therefore obtained the help of God, I continue to this day, witnessing both to the small and the great, saying none other things than those things which the prophets and the Moses did say should come. I want you to notice there, having therefore the help of whom? Boy, everybody needs God's help. How many of you say, Pastor, I need the help of God? <laughs> you need the help of God to be a husband, a wife, a son, a daughter, a brother, a sister, but certainly a witness for Jesus Christ. He said, you know why? God's helped me so much. This is why I continue to this day, witnessing and telling folks about Christ. Some of you dear folks who have, have grown up here at First Baptist Church, remember those soul-winning uh, soul-winning uh, marathons you'd go on and teen soul-winning? Are you still a soul-winner today in your 30s and your 40s? Are you, are you just satisfied to let the kids go out, or do you also engage in personal witness? I think all of us ought to, ought to get a checkup from the neck up. Make sure that we're engaged. One of the things I love about getting the gospel track, you can find the curiosity of people. Yesterday I gave a lady a gospel track, and she said, Sir, thank you. I promise you, I will read this. I promise you. I was getting a meal about maybe three, three, uh, three or four weeks ago with, um, with one of our men in this room right now. We, we ate a breakfast together and talked about several things. And at the, at the, at the, at the uh, end of the meal, I put a tip and I put the money in there. And she said, 
oh, I, I need this. This could change your life forever. He goes, I need this. He goes, I thank you for the tip, but I really want this paper. I put my phone number on there for if they want to contact us later about some things because this is, there's a world that needs the gospel. And we need to be faithful with the help of God to continue. Don't stop. And by the way, the Christian life, if you try to plateau, you're going to go on a downward spiral. If you, that's why we need to keep on pressing. We need to keep pushing ourselves to say, Lord, I want to get to know you. The growing grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, keep growing. If you find yourself plateaued, don't stay there. If you find yourself apathetic, when you hear a soul winning testimony, when you see someone get baptized, or you, tonight we'll have the Lord's Supper. Tonight we're going to have an opportunity. We don't do it very often, about eight times a year, but whenever we do it, uh, I wouldn't let the Bears game keep me from coming to the Lord's Supper. I really wouldn't. I don't think there's anything wrong with watching the Bears, but I, I certainly wouldn't let anything keep me from giving a time where the Heavenly Father has, has strategically called His people to remember the sufferings of His Son. He wants us to give worth to that. He wants us to think about that ahead of time. Just like you would go to a wake or a, a funeral viewing or a funeral, and you would come on purpose because you cared about the person that died, or they cared about you, and you came to pay your respects. That's what the Lord's Supper is. We have to make decisions what we're going to do with our time. And, and just a few days, you'll get, you'll get to talk to Jesus hand, face to face. Because the Bible says, so then every one of us should give an account of himself. You're going to give an account of your time, your talents, your treasure, what you did with what you had, with your trials, your training, with your family, with your gifts, with your, with your weakness, everything. And we'll give an account. There will no excuses there. No blame games there. We can't say, well, I was just tired or this right here. No, we'll do. We do what we want to do. I want to encourage you. And Apostle Paul said, with the help of God, I still continue. And I thank God for men and women who still continue. Who continue to do the right thing the right way for the right reason for a lifetime. And Paul says, it's not about me. It's about his help. that He keeps helping me do what I'm supposed to do. Look, if you would please, when he says he's going to talk about the gospel. Verse number 23 says, here's what I've been preaching. That Christ should suffer and that he should be the first that should rise from the dead and should show light unto the people and to the Gentiles. He said, I've been sharing the gospel that Jesus died. He was buried and rose again. If someone gets baptized this morning, that's what's going to happen in those waters. That water cannot wash away their sin. It has nothing to do with being saved. It's not a part of salvation. It's a picture of salvation. It shows that G they believe that Jesus died. He was buried and he rose again and they're identifying with him like a ring identifies me with my wife Linda in our vows. Baptism identifies you with Jesus. You're saying, you know what? I'm with him and I'm not ashamed of him. I'm glad to do it. And so he says, I've been teaching people that Jesus died. He was suffered. He was buried and he rose again. Well, in the middle of this gospel presentation, and by the way, be committed to give the gospel. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. You say, well, pastor, I'm not a very good talker. That's okay. Moses wasn't a good talker. But he could, he could, he could intercede. You know, I, I've got a, I have a friend of mine that he wrote a little booklet about a deaf man who got saved. And uh, Alan Snare played him in a little video that they made for him. But this deaf man, he was, he was mute, he couldn't speak, and he was deaf his whole life. 
A lady in his church learned sign language, got a burden for him, and began telling him about Jesus Christ. October the 9th, I think, we have our 60th anniversary of our, of our deaf ministry here at First Baptist Church. Maxine Jeffries um, started the deaf ministry. Well, several years ago, and I say probably about 20 years ago, 25 years ago, a young deaf man, 15 years old, going back to Chicago in a van, someone signed to him how he could know for sure that when he died, he was going to heaven through Jesus Christ. And they explained the gospel to him that day. And that day, he got forgiveness of his sins. He got saved. He's going to be preaching for us here on October the 9th. On a, he, he can't speak. You'll hear his voice, but he, he, he'll use his hands. He'll preach the message on a Sunday night. I'm looking forward to it very much. But a friend of mine, he, he got saved. A lady got a burden for her, him, led him to Christ. He got saved. But he saw people witnessing to people, but he couldn't talk. And he lived in a country community where he couldn't communicate, and most people did not know sign language. So what he did, he used his hands, and he made three crosses. But he put a cross on the side of the road, on a hillside, in a property that either he, he either got it from a farmer that was there or it was his own, I don't know. But he put it up on the hillside, and he built this cross, and he got a bunch of tracks with him. And he stood on the side of the road, and his cars would come in his country road, he waved at them. He'd wave at them. And when he saw that he got their attention, deaf people are usually very good at seeing, he saw they got his attention. He would point to the cross. He would say, hey, hey. And they would stop and pull over and, and like, what do you want? What do you want? And he would give them a track and tell them, try to tell them that he's saved and God can forgive them. Good night. If a man like that can do that, what can you do? What could I do? We should not be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And Paul wasn't. He was telling him about the gospel as clear as can. And then he gets interrupted. Festus is fired up. Festus, who has no interest, he just wants an easy way to explain to Caesar why he's sending this court case to him. And so he gives the gospel. Look what Festus does. Look at your Bible, if you would, please, in verse number 24. And as he thus spake for himself, Festus, with a loud voice, said with a loud voice, Paul, thou art beside thyself. You're a nut. That's in the Greek. Much learning hath made thee mad. You are crazy. You've learned so much, you've gone kooky. Something's wrong with you. But I want you to notice real quickly. By the way, can we just take a second? Ah, our time is going to go by quickly. Write down in your margin of your Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 18 through 23. I want you to read that later, if you would. 1 Corinthians 1, 18 through 23. Apostle Paul says that the preaching of Christ and the cross is foolishness to them that perish. But to us, it's the power of God. What this world thinks Hearing the gospel of Christ, oh, that's crazy. I don't believe in God. I'm an atheist. Oh, I believe in evolution. I'm smart. I believe in science. The truth of the matter is, they might think the gospel is crazy, but that's what they need. And I say this real quickly. You're going to witness to people sometimes who have no interest in accepting the gospel at the time. At the time, they do not. They'll resist and reject the gospel. And Festus, he clouded up and rained all over Paul. I want you to notice Paul's response. Would you look at it, if you would, please, in verse 25? 
And he said, I am not mad. And then note, read the next three words there. Most noble. No, it's a lot of respect there, isn't it? He said, I'm not crazy, your honor. I'm not crazy, your majesty. Most noble Festus. By the way, how do you respond when someone's unkind to you? When someone rejects your gospel track or your witness or they make fun of you because you believe, by the way, our colleges, my goodness, uh, young men and young ladies who go to our secular college, watch out. They want to capture, they want to get you, get in your head and cause all kinds of things going on in those early stages. We've had more than one of our kids and that have gone to these uh, sociologists and psychology classes right out of the box. What they want to do, a lot of them want to jar your faith in Jesus and make you feel like an idiot if you have any faith in Christ. And uh, I would say res- be respectful, but don't buy into that junk. I don't believe it's... I believe that's... The, he said, look, most no, I'm not mad. I'm not crazy, most noble Festus. Look, if you would please hear, and he's going to get right back. He wasn't really talking to Festus. He probably knew he didn't have a chance with him. But speak forth the words of truth and soberness. He goes, I'm as, I'm as sober as I can be. Not crazy, I'm very sane. Matter of fact, the only sane person in the room was the Apollo. For the king knoweth these things where, where, uh, before whom I speak freely, and I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him, for this thing was not done in a corner. He said, he said the king is very familiar with this, and this was not done in a corner. Jesus didn't die on some little obscure place. He died right there in Jerusalem, right now in broad daylight for everybody to see, and the, and the sun turned dark, and it went black. Everybody knows about that time. Matter of fact, you, you even have your calendar based upon what happened after that time. 2022 all over the world because of what happened on a hillside with one person. And if he was another Jewish man, just another man on the planet, then why would God start time all over again? No, God wants the world to know who he is. He said, this didn't happen in a corner. My king knows about this. He's familiar with this. Look, if you would, please, he brings it. Now, Agrippa walks into Paul's court, if you will. King Agrippa, verse 27, believest thou the prophets? I know that thou believest. He said, you're not ignorant of all the things that Micah said and Malachi said and, and, and all that Isaiah said. You know that. Then Agrippa said, Paul, almost, thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Once again, he was not interested. He was more sarcastic. He said, boy, you're getting pretty convincing. You almost, a little bit, you persuade me to be a Christian. I love what 29 says. Let's read it out loud together as we conclude today. The Paul said, I would to God that not only thou, we're both almost and altogether such as I am. And when he had thus spoken, the king rose up. That was a bad day for King Agrippa. He could have been saved, but he got up, left it. The governor and Bernice, and they sat with him. And when they were gone aside, they talked between themselves, saying, This man doeth nothing worthy of death or bonds. He said, this, We're dealing with an innocent person here. Verse number 32, Then said Agrippa unto Festus, That this man might have been set at liberty had he not appealed unto Caesar. And, of course, Festus, or Festus was the reason he appealed to Caesar. I want you to notice real quickly in closing, not only do we need to be confident and committed to the gospel, Some people will reject and refuse and resist the gospel. It just goes with the territory. And this day you would think, oh man, Paul, he gave it so clear. Festus, Felix, Agrippa, they all just shut him down. Ah, you're you're almost persuaded me. (laughs) 
But you know what's interesting? The Apostle Paul said, I wish that not just you, Agrippa, but everyone that's standing in this room with me were just like me. Not just almost, but altogether persuaded. Except I wish they didn't have to deal with the bonds. He held up the chains on his hands. I wish they didn't have to deal with this. But I wish you were like me. Forgiven, free, fulfilled, uh, have a fellowship, and I'm focused on the person of Jesus. I wish that would happen to all of you. You know that day, sometimes when you witness to people, you just never know your audience. So witness to everybody. Once you decide, you know what, I want to be a faithful witness. I believe if you're not witnessing for Christ on a faithful basis, if I'm not, I'm wasting the breath and the privilege that God's given me. Because unsaved people don't win people to the Lord. It's Christians that do. And the fruit of a Christian is another Christian. Could I ask you today, be committed to the gospel. Put your big boy britches on, understand that everybody's going to accept what you tell them. Some are going to mock, some are going to make fun, some are going to walk away. But somebody is ready to listen. I'm convinced we'll meet people in heaven from that room that day. It may not be Agrippa, and it may not be Festus, it may not be Bernice. It might be Bernice Merced, and maybe that one would be a good one there. But there'll be people, those soldier boys, those bailiffs, those people in that room. Somebody said, boom, light came on for me. (laughs) I bet they followed him out there and said, hey, can you give me more information? I want to accept Jesus. It's interesting, Paul oftentimes says, they of Caesar's household greet thee. People got saved even in his imprisonment, even in his difficult times. He won people to Christ. And if you keep getting the gospel out, you'll do the same thing. Let's pray together, can we?